Does Google control the internet? This week on The Wild Loop. Visit our website at thewildloop.net where you can find our blogs and bios as well as connections to our Facebook, Twitter, and email contacts. Email us and let us know your thoughts and we may read your comments or answer your questions on the show. The Wild Loop starts now. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Wild Loop. Uh, this is going to be the end of our summer run, and this is number 10 of our, our batch of 10 that we uh, have been kind of doing. And what else is cool is that this is also episode number 50, so a little bit of a, of a milestone. And yeah. I kind of can't believe it's already been 50 shows. Like I know it started last year, I think it was last year. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping close, uh, paying close attention to all this, obviously. But uh, no, I think we ended around. We had 30 at the end of last year, right? Either way, yeah, um, we started. We started right at the beginning of this year, the new season. Are you talking yeah. about the beginning of the show or the beginning of the season? Uh, beginning of the show. I'm trying to I remember you, when it started. It might have been 2019. I think it was 2019. I started wow. with you. I started with you last summer. So gotcha. Okay, you were going in 2019. Okay, so yeah. Regardless, still can't believe it's kind of gone by that quickly and 50 shows. Because I think I remember when when I started thinking, how are we going to come up with ideas for shows like regular <laughs> shows? It's yeah. And now we've done 50 of them. And I actually easier. think it's gotten easier. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's, it's almost like there's, there's too much to pick from in a way. And it could really depend on the way you want to go too. Cause we've kind of, that's something we've been trying to figure out, you know, like what's the, what should the direction of the show be? Should it be? Cause we've done some episodes that are like kind of like a tech deep dive where we get into the nitty, not, I mean, as much as we can on a radio type format where you get into the yeah. nitty gritty of how like, uh, it's like CPUs work, for example, right. which might be hard to explain without visuals. But you know, we tried it, and then we and then it goes up to like you know like movie reviews, which is something yeah. that you know anybody can listen to and hopefully get something out of. So yeah, it's wide, it's, wide yeah. range of stuff. The other cool thing is we kind of have an ongoing. We have topics that are ongoing, so we check mm-hmm. in with them from time to time now. Mm-hmm. So, so I think in the future it's going to be. Uh, hopefully it'll keep getting easier to come up with topics. Yeah. So, yeah, episode number 50, kind of cool. Uh, Pretty, cool. Just wanted, Pretty cool. We just wanted to, yeah, just wanted to mention that. Um, and I think, so we do have a topic for this week, of course, but I think we wanted to start with um, Jeff Bezos going to space in this last week. And I think you had something <laughs> you wanted to mention about that or you had some ideas or thoughts yeah, so we we did an episode on Bezos. That was one of our episodes. I would think it was number thirty six. I wrote them down so people gotcha. could, so we could reference for people. And we also did the episode on SpaceX last year, which was episode twenty one. Um, I think I remember the title. Sorry, was that the title? Sixty percent of the time, you need to be right. Every yeah, sixty percent yeah. of the time. Yeah, that was the Bezos episode. Yeah. yeah. All right. Again, um, you can tell from reading the titles what the heck the show's about. <laughs> All right, yeah. sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so I think 
we did me- I think we mentioned his Blue Origin company in that episode. And then of course we we mentioned Elon Musk and his company that's also um, trying to get into commercial space travel. We we haven't talked about Richard Branson, so he's kind of the third third mm-hmm. uh, part of the story. Uh, and he was actually the first one to go up. And then Bezos Bezos I think got a little more publicity. Um, but what's interesting is that I remember back in the Sp- SpaceX episode. I think you said we were talking about the '60s and how the the moon landing kind of brought the country together. Um, mm-hmm. After that being kind of a tumultuous decade, and we were kind of speculating on what uh, this new space race <laughs> would would do for the country because now it's all it's all private enterprise basically, at least for the time being. I think mm-hmm. if if Elon Musk. Uh, wants to get people to Mars like he says he does, that's going to require more of a government uh, collaboration, mm-hmm. I would assume. But right now, this commercial space travel stuff is all private enterprise uh, for the most part. So I remember you speculating on what, what would, whether it would kind of unify people or not, and you can already kind of see that it's there seems to be uh, – the opposite of that happening in some ways you're mm-hmm. seeing people i, I know uh, uh there was some people kind of complaining that that's how jeff bezos was using his money and stuff so i i, mm-hmm. I think what's one of the things that getting lost in all this is how and regardless of what you think of bezos and we already kind of <laughs> we certainly gave our opinion on him in our mm-hmm. episode but regardless of what you think of him it's, it's a cool story i mean it, you're talking about a guy that started in his garage what yeah. 30, 30 years ago right and, and now he's funding his own uh mission to space i mean it's unbelievable if you think about it so um yeah again, again i i think it should be something that inspires people and hopefully hopefully it will um but i just like you predicted i think there's it's a little different now it's a different time country's different so so i also think so i i might know what you're talking about i did see some people bagging on him again like you know like oh this is yeah like you said like oh this is the way he's spending his money yeah uh and um i i don't know if this is accurate or not but uh i i think somebody posted something that like Again, I don't know if it was a real quote or if it was meant to be a joke, but it was like criticism of the Wright brothers mm. when they started saying like they shouldn't be like they should be putting their efforts into bicycles instead of all this like mm. stuff that's not gonna. Yeah. I don't know if that was true though, or if someone was trying to make a point. So I probably shouldn't have mentioned it because I have no idea. But it, it sounded like it was a real quote. But again, yeah. I could be totally wrong. But I, you know, the thing is that no anybody who's doing something big, yeah, is gonna have naysayers. True, and I don't feel like people understand how a lot of people don't understand how like stocks work. Like, yeah, he's got he's worth a hundred sixty billion or two hundred billion or whatever. But like, how much of that is in Amazon stock? It's not cash. He doesn't have that much cash sitting around. And yes, he's very rich. In that sense, you know, they talk about net worth. These people, like, they just don't have billions yeah. of dollars of cash. And if they tried to cash out their stock, the value would plummet. It's mm-hmm. almost like, because, you know, because they're like, oh, 
he's liquidating all his stuff. Like we better get out of this. Yeah. Uh, and that would cotton. So like he would lose money by literally, like literally trying to cash out what he's worth. So it's not, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, I see a lot of complaints about, you know, billionaires. And I think most of them are, they're not, they're not liquid billionaires in that yeah. sense. Like most of that stuff is wrapped up in owning. Well, even, even if they, or, I don't know, even if they were. Sure. You know, it's almost got to push. Things it's forward. yeah. It and just sounds like good old money. fashioned envy to me, but yeah. Yeah. No, I it, hear that. Um, and and again, I I know. I, I mean, there's things you could maybe criticize him for, but um, just having money is not that's not a reason to right necessarily. Right. <laughs> but it would be an interesting study to go back into, um, 1969 and kind of see what people, because all all you ever hear now looking back or or read about now looking back is the good things people say about it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I wonder if I'm sure there were plenty of naysayers at the time that you just don't you don't hear about anymore. Sure. So that, that, that's interesting too to think about. You know, um, maybe maybe times haven't changed that much in that respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so he did. Uh, one more thought on that before we move on. I think. Um, I mean, unless you have more, I'm no, not go ahead. Cut you off, but it's. I thought it was interesting that he was, I don't know how many launches they've done, but the fact that he got in there mm. shows confidence in. I think that was the whole like, point. Yeah. Like the, to, like the thing's yeah. not going to blow up. Right. right. And it's like, oh, I feel like, you know, we've, we've built this to a point where it's going to be reliable. Right. Um, and that's land- a pretty, that's a pretty good business tactic. Sorry. To cut sure. You off. No, I say the landing looked kind of funny to me though. It was like a, I didn't see the way it landed, but I, I saw when it was done. It was like this bubble sitting in the desert. I don't know. Like It looked kind of janky, but I yeah. guess the point was just to get to a certain height above uh, you know, the Earth. There's I don't know how high they got it. They, did they get into technical, like the, the area of space? Like There's some kind of line that's like supposedly mm. the actual. I, I didn't see that. I'm assuming they did. But yeah, I'm not sure. But it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Um, aren't there plans to like try to go back to the moon? And yeah, well, Elon Musk is trying to mine resources from the moon, I believe. So I think what uh, kind of resources? Not sure. <laughs> You're putting me on the spot here. I didn't do enough research. No, yet. it's okay. I just, well, but, I uh, don't know. I'm just... But I know, I know that's something he's trying to do. That's another thing that I think would probably require some collaboration with the government but um yeah so we may be back to the moon pretty soon what was that sh- what was that store we used to go into that had like the telescopes and the fossils was it imaginarium was it the one in horton plaza yeah uh yeah yeah something stone, brookstone or something like that no it wasn't because brookstone is like the massage chairs and stuff like mm. that uh, I think it might have been called. I don't, I'm for some reason the word imaginary came into my head, but uh, the first thing I thought of is when you're like, "Oh, he wants to mine resources." I thought, "Oh, he could sell moon rocks and imaginary." <laughs> yeah, because it would like fit in Actual with all the rocks. other stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they had like the trilobite that we got from oh, there. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it had like little fossils. That was a cool store. Yeah. You know, when I'd we, buy that. I'd buy, I'd buy a moon rock. I think. Yeah. When we were kids, I was going to say, when we were kids, those were the kinds of stores that were hip. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> They're totally gone. Yeah. Uh, I think, I, I don't think that store is around anymore. But geodes, they had geodes. Yeah. Tons of geodes. Uh, this stuff, you know, that got you thinking. So moon rocks would have fit right in. But anyway, I'm sure that's not what his plan is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, should we go into this week's topic? Uh, let's do it. Okay. So this week we are talking about um, we're going to talk about Google and the idea that they are possibly trying to control, like what kind of control they're trying to assert over the web, which is something that uh, some people are very aware of. And something, or it's something that some people are not aware of, I think, because the web is thought of as an open platform, uh, for the most part, built on a series of open standards. So it's mm-hmm. like, well, how could Google, how could Google control the web? But uh, it seems like over the past years that they're kind of making efforts to do that, and that's what we're going to discuss. I was thinking. You know, maybe for our next batch of shows, we should pick some more positive topics. <laughs> like why Google is bad, you know, yeah. Apple's employees are whiny. Yeah. Which is all about <laughs> every every show's about Big Brother and totalitarianism. Right, right. And that's yeah. not what we're trying to do. No, I mean, no, no. Uh, no, I mean I'm, these are just uh, uh, bear in mind that these are like even if this is the direction things are going, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's where it's going to end up. It's just, it's good. Sure. I think it's good to know about this stuff because, sure. you know, that's how you course correct, right? Right. Well, it's also, I mean, it's an interesting topic. I, I just didn't want people to think that this is like a negative. It's a happy show. It's a happy, it's a happy family-friendly tech show. It is family And it always will be. And it always <laughs> will be. I have, I have to agree with that. So, uh yeah, we'll, well, we'll see about the next. We'll think ahead about the next batch of shows. Yeah. And maybe it'll it'll have a slightly different bed to it. But right. uh, for today, yeah. go back to, back to Big Brother. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we had a series of uh, issues, not issues, but I guess topics uh, related to this idea that we were going to discuss. Is there one you wanted to start with? or? Well, the um, first thing, I think it's interesting that Google has sort of managed uh kind of i mean uh, maybe maybe uh this is just my perception but they i feel like they've kind of managed to avoid being lumped in with some of the other companies we think of when we think of um when we think of control mm-hmm. i because like obviously we've talked about apple being a closed system Yep, Google and like Android still has kind of a developer-friendly reputation. I feel like, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but and even in, in the uh, like the recent elections, it, it was Facebook and Twitter that kind of got all most of the flack. Mm-hmm. Um, and people don't think of Google when they think of it, an election influence necessarily. Uh, and again, I could be wrong, but I, I just based on the limited amount of news intake I had. That was kind of what I gathered. So, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, that's an interesting. Oh, I've already opened the can of worms. Okay, no, 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 no. I was gonna say I think that's an interesting um, 
observation and because uh, you can get into like the right versus left uh, leaning of the media. Mm. And so if it's not where like, I was going with that, but go ahead. Well, this is what I thought of because you were saying how Google wasn't seen as part of the problem during the elections. Mm. And well, I obviously, th- any whichever side loses the election is going to see all those companies as the problem. So, right. well, like in retrospect, it might look a certain way. That's not what I was going with. Yeah, go well, ahead. What, what I was going to say was if I think most people would agree that aside from Fox News, that most of the media leans left. Right, and and I mean, in my opinion, they kind of tend to attack the sources that they don't agree with. So I don't know if was Twitter part of the problem back then, or were they were they being identified? I know Facebook was. Well, Twitter, um, uh, like like Twitter censored Twitter censored or closed Trump's account, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and they were. I thought they were shutting down like certain, uh, like if you. Twitter was doing a they yeah. thought was quote, quote untrue. Right, they were gonna like ban you. Yeah, they did a lot of that stuff. So, so the point I was gonna make was, and this is also related to this topic, is that if Google is seen as an ally, they're not gonna talk about them. Mm. Oh, Google, I, see, I see what you're saying. Google's doing things with search and the way it presents data in a way that the media agrees with, they're not going to complain about them. Yeah. They're going to complain about Facebook if they think that there's, you know, Russian influence helping Trump. Right. The mainstream news. But but I think even the right-wing news, if I remember correctly, was targeting Facebook and Twitter. And I don't don't remember a lot of talk about Google. Gotcha. Um, So... I definitely think some people who are aware of Google... um, manipulating definitely this is part of the topic uh manipulating search results and how it presents its data yeah i have a i have an article here from from 20 i have an article here from 2016 that Mm -hmm. actually talks about uh people being concerned that that search engine data was manipulating that election gotcha Uh, okay so so th- that was just I was just a theory. I don't know if that's why Google was being left alone like mm. recently. Um, but that's again, so it's like tied into exactly what we're talking about is how they present data uh, or news in searches. So um, right. And I think so our topic is is more um, it's more about the overall just controlling the internet, not so much. From from a political or yeah not yeah even yeah censorship no, no, no. just just overall right. control right 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 no this is not this was not meant to be a political thing at all it was more about just how they control um, the web and what you can do with the web maybe and mm-hmm. how they present things and you know all all of those related uh, ideas so mm-hmm. uh, wait so where were we starting again. Wherever you like. <laughs> okay. I was, I was I was just saying, at this point, I feel like Google is, is doesn't have the same reputation as maybe an Apple. Right, right, Facebook. right. Uh, that's that's what I was trying to remember, and I think yeah, that's an interesting point, and I don't know if that's because of you know it's interesting because first impressions <laughs> they matter and they tend to stick a lot, mm-hmm. I think, and when Google started becoming well known you know their motto was uh don't be evil mm. and, and at least in the tech sphere everybody knew that 
Mm-hmm. And so it was like Google was like this really hip new company that had a search engine that was uh, noticeably better than all the competitors in terms of, you know, the results you were getting. It just felt almost like, you know, this is 20 years ago or whatever. Like it, it almost felt like magic. It's like, wow, the search works so well where with the other ones, it might felt like it felt like you might have to dig a little bit more. Mm. Um and again, so tied in with like just how quickly they grew and like having that uh, like that motto, and they were just like they were superstars uh, right. at the time. I mean, they're still huge, but they really had a great reputation um, at the beginning, and then maybe that's why it's kind of they've dodged that bullet. Because um, mm. what was there to dislike? You know, it's like even Facebook from the beginning. I don't think that that was a product that was hugely popular with everyone. I could be wrong, but I think plenty of people thought like, oh, this is like, you know, self-absorption type stuff. Like it's built around that kind of an idea. Right. So there's, you know, you might not like it from the beginning, but it's like, oh, this is a search engine. It's like, this is the information superhighway. (laughs) That's what they used to call it. You know, like all this data, like they're doing all this good stuff. So like, what is there to dislike? So I I can see why they might have, they might still have um, a little bit of that reputation left. Right. It's important, I think, to to note here (laughs) that pretty much anything, any and I'm not saying Google is gonna end up being some horrible totalitarian thing. I'm not saying that, but anything that does go that direction starts out that way. Starts out with a benevolent. Mm-hmm. Um, can't believe I'm gonna do this again, but we'll, we'll mention <laughs> we'll mention Hitler and the Nazis. <laughs> I don't know how he keeps coming up in our tech podcast. This is but, either number three or number four. <laughs> it's got to be a record for tech uh, podcast. Sure. But anyway, like they they started out as sort of a benevolent. So and they're, you know, there's kind of that good Samaritan censorship idea where they're doing it for for the good of the people. Well, did he <laughs> was that his intent or was that how he just worked his way into Well, it was probably, yeah. I'm but it, what sure I'm saying is that I think he was an angry dude from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, sitting actually. in his whole right and mind comp, you know. Yeah, I know. I, know. Uh, <laughs> I get what you're saying. I'm not saying there's anyone like that at Google. I'm just saying <laughs> that's it's a slippery slope. It starts out, uh, especially the, like what we saw last year with some of the censorship. It starts out with this idea that we're we're doing it for the good of the of people, um, and it usually doesn't end up that sure. way. Sure, sure. And I think that's the. I think yeah, and like people who bring that up are always pointing out history. Right? It's like. Anyone who like anything that starts out with this intention never ends up. Uh, it never ends up working out the way you think it's going to, which is why freedom and all that stuff is so important. And we shouldn't like you just can't go down that road because it never yeah. ends well. Yeah. So yeah, I, I hear you. There's also some parallels here, I think, with Apple because you you know we talked about Steve Jobs and the closed system, the way he started out the company, and how and how that's become what it is today. Um. To the mm-hmm. point where now there's, you know, there's legislative stuff happening to, to limit their power. Uh, Google seems to be, and so going back to what I was saying, let's say it, it has nothing to do with, you know, someone like, someone like a Hitler being in the in control, mm-hmm. but but instead it's just it's just cutthroat business and these companies they they, 
there's still it's still power, right? It's still a form of power. So they 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 grow to the point where they have a monopoly or a near monopoly, and then they can do these little tricks. And we'll talk about some of these things, but these little things they can do to kind of uh, hold on to that power or make because. I guess you know you're either sort of growing or not or or regressing. You could say, mm-hmm. um, and so in order for Google to remain to continue to have to continue to have a monopoly, they got to keep growing. I guess would be the mindset. So these little things they do to kind of manipulate uh, are very subtle, mm-hmm. uh, and they may not even have. There may not even be a a, a co- covert. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, malevolent bent to what mm-hmm. they're doing. They may not see it that way. They just see it as strategy, let's say. Sure. But, but sure. it's still happening. It's still happening, right. and it still has it can have detrimental effects on people. So that's what we're talking about today. Sure. So real quick, I want to give a little background on, um, and I'm sorry if there's like very savvy tech people listening and they know all this stuff, but I, w- I just wanted to give a very quick uh, background on like the internet and why it should be open and kind of the way it's yeah. built, right? Yeah. Because the very idea is that it is an open network. So, you know, everybody's heard World Wide Web. Everybody knows HTTP. Uh, HTTP is a hypertext transfer protocol. It's a way of basically passing information back and forth uh, over, you know, an IP or an IP network. Um, and, you know, www is, you know, we're using URLs. Everybody knows you can go to, I always like to use cnn.com as, a, as an example. You can go to www.cnn.com and get CNN's website. Uh, and, again, that's all transferred over HTTP with, um, there's different, they call them verbs. So, like, gets and puts and posts. And so, if you're retrieving data or if you're sending data, you know, they're using these HTTP protocols, you know, and you're using these verbs to transfer data back and forth. Now, these are open protocols and open standards, and it's mm-hmm. ways for computers across the world to communicate. So, it's, I mean, I know that there are bodies uh, of, you know, like legal bodies that that control the internet, and I'm trying to remember what, it's like ICANN or something like that, maybe it's something else, but the point is, it's supposed to be an open network where anybody can send uh, or share data over these networks using those protocols, and nobody controls them, and nobody's supposed to be able to stop you. Mm-hmm. So, the idea, like, so you think, well, how could Google control the internet then, if these are open standards and anybody has access to them? You know, there, there's no gatekeepers for the most part. Um, and that's kind of like, so we're going to be talking about some things that relate to that, like things that they've done or are doing that are kind of shutting down the ability to maybe even use some of those standards in a way that's going to be very open for people to find you or use, um, you know, some of the things that you've done in the past, like there's some historical, uh, archival issues around some of this stuff because there's uh, what's called HTTPS which is supposed to be a secure version of HTTP mm-hmm. um, because HTTP when you're sending traffic over the internet it's unencrypted and you can basically read everything that's being passed you know if you call it over the wire 
So if you're tr- if you're transferring data with HTTP, it's definitely not secure. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people might say, well, that's a problem, but that's not necessarily true in all situations and a lot of situations. Um, and we'll we'll talk about that as well. Right. And again, it's all related. So uh, that's just kind of the backdrop of you know very simple overview of, of how the internet works uh, and why it should be open. And and we'll, we're about to get into uh, some of the things we're doing to kind of take some of that away. So, uh, which one? Wh- where should we start on this? I think we've already been talking uh, about twenty minutes. So we start with that. We start with the HTTP stuff. I know you want to get into AMP, and um, there was one other one I think we wanted to talk about. But we, all right, well, we can start well, with HTTP. With yeah. So. You know, the, the web really started um, very, it was very simple. So it's, the web is interesting because it's a way, again, to share data or, you know, how do I describe this? A web, like, it's almost like its own version of software. So you can have networking between computers uh, without a web browser, for sure. I mean, video games you can play over a network. Um, you can have regular apps, like we all use iPhone apps or Android apps that have networking built into them. And again, a lot of it is uh, built on HTTP. There's WebSockets as well, which is a little different. Um, but HTTP is a very extremely, extremely common protocol that's used in the networking of computers. But the browser kind of, you know, came into play again 25 years started maybe like 25 years ago around there give or give or take a few years mm-hmm. um, as a way to basically fetch documents from other computers mm-hmm. um, HTML is basically like a document um, format a way to structure your documents and lay out text and then CSS came down the road uh, I think a few years later for styling and then JavaScript came into the picture later on mm-hmm. uh, so that you could add some logic so you could actually start writing some software in in the browser uh, mm-hmm. and start giving it some capabilities to manipulate you know what they call the DOM and then eventually communicate with a backend over HTTP which mm-hmm. is important um, to the point where instead of just being like a a place where you could fetch documents and read documents. Uh, it, it's gotten to the point where you can kind of basically write full-fledged software in the browser, which is really common today, right? You do mm-hmm. banking in the browser. There's actually really powerful software in different cases um, that you can do in a browser to the point where there's a technology called Electron, which is a way to write cross-platform software that basically runs on Chromium, which is Google's open-source web rendering engine. Um, And a lot of software (laughs) runs on that. So it's like before, if you wanted to have a Windows, a Mac, and maybe a Linux app, you would have to, you know, write write all the software in the native operating system uh, like using the native operating system libraries, and mm-hmm. if maybe you had some business logic that was that existed in C or C++, you know, you could run that cross-platform 
but then you're hooking it into all the like the UI libraries and stuff that you have to use to build uh, like the GUIs and stuff for the apps. So you don't have to do that now. You can do you can use Electron, essentially write a web page, and package it up as a native app for every platform. And you're writing it once, I believe, and it actually goes everywhere. Now, the thing is, you don't get the performance that you would get out of a native app, but a lot of people don't care. And they tend to not feel like native apps. Like You can usually tell, like, oh, this doesn't feel like a Mac app. I don't know if you can tell on Windows, because Windows is so all over the place. Anyway, there we go. I got to get my Microsoft <laughs> installed in. Um, and, you know, Linux, Linux, I don't know. I don't use it that much, but... Um, Linux is kind of all over the place too. They have like different launchers and all kinds of different things going on there. But uh, point is, the web has become a way to write universal software when it didn't start like that. But uh, one of the things that Google's trying to do is push uh, this idea that you need HTTPS on everything. And there's a lot of... Like, think about old blogs and stuff. Um, mm. People who wrote blogs 20 years ago. Right. And maybe they're still up somewhere or archived. And it's it only exists on HTTP. Now, the thing is, even though it's insecure, it really doesn't matter. Because right. if all you're doing is fetching documents from a server, right. who cares? It's like those things are out in the open anyway. Right. It's almost like a library, right? If you have, there's no danger in going to a library and reading a and getting a book off the shelf, or if somebody sees you get that book off the shelf, right? Um, it's and it's like that's kind of the equivalent of of what a lot of uh, HTTP traffic probably still is today and was in the past. Now, for whatever reason. Uh, Google is trying to push this requirement of HTTPS uh, being needed for every site. And that is to the point where, like, I think they're, they're not going to show that. Like, I don't know if you've seen this before, but if you're using Chrome, you can go to a page that has HTTP and they'll give you a warning. Right. And they'll, they'll make it look really dangerous. Right. Like, you don't want to go here. And I don't understand the the need for that and there's a lot of people who are um Wouldn't like know better mm. yes that know better and i'll say they're very well known i think one of them is uh, his name is dave weiner he is um he's known for some i think i think he's known for like rss and you know having inf like creating rss and even mm -hmm. some early podcasting like he's a pretty big name i should know better what he's done but He's kind of talked about this a little bit um, with the fact that like Google's like trying to almost demonize HTTP, mm. <laughs> and I don't. I'm not really sure what the motivation is. I'm sure it's it's there somewhere. But so again, you have all this you have all this archival content that people have created, and it's like if you have HT, if you force HTTPS on everybody and you deny access to sites that still live on HTTP, it's like you're, you're destroying that history yeah. because they're not going to make that change. There's no need to make that change. It's not a necessary technology 
to feed documents to somebody who wants to read something. Uh, you're not asking for user data. So, for example, HTTPS is crucial in something like banking, anything where users log in, uh, you know, and they have accounts, those kinds of things. That makes total sense because you want that traffic to be encrypted. You don't want anybody to be able to read what's going on there. But there's so many sites that just do not require that. Um, and they're they're kind of trying to sell the idea that that HTTP is dangerous um, and needs to be eliminated, and it's just kind of not true um, in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you. I mean, if you took again, you took a few steps forward, and if they did, like you say, they give you a warning now. At some point, it could be um, uh, to the point where. I guess it could get to the point where HTTP sites aren't even allowed anymore. I don't know if it would right. get to that point. But if it did, you're talking about basically massive mass book burning. You compared it to a library. But it, that's essentially what it would be. You, you have all these, this content out there that people have created right. uh, in the free, in the open market or the open platform. Mm -hmm. And poof, it'd be gone just like that. Um, the implications of that are actually pretty... Uh, pretty widespread. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. So think about it. So we talked about the very nature. And so a lot of this comes from the fact that, that Google's browser, and people might be saying, well, how can Google do this? And it's because Chrome is a, it's basically the dominant browser now. Mm -hmm. So Google's an internet company. They have their own internet browser. And a lot of people take the take Chrome's lead mm. in terms of what Chrome does. Like I've been trying to use Safari more and mm -hmm. um, it's been fine. Uh, there's times when it just doesn't work and I have I actually use edge uh, because edge uses, uh, which is Microsoft's browser, but it doesn't have all the Google tracking stuff in it and it's mm -hmm. based on Chromium. Mm -hmm. So it works the same as Chrome, but it doesn't have Google's tracking stuff in it. So I use that when I need something to work right. Because uh, a lot of people actually write their web apps or websites to be compatible with Chrome. And they don't care as much about the other browsers like Safari and Firefox, which have their own rendering engines. And it works a bit different. So Chrome is kind of seen as the de facto leader mm -hmm. right now. So that's how they're able to kind of enforce these ideas. So we talked about... Um, the fact that HTTP and HTTPS are open standards built on open networks, but if the dominant browser is saying no to that and kind of scaring people because the way that they'll display these warnings makes these sites look very dangerous, like you're yeah. about to get hacked or something. Right. If you and if you if and post, if you didn't, it, like uh, it's kind of what I was going to say earlier. If you didn't know better. Uh, and a lot of people probably don't like if exactly. you know a lot of people may not be real tech savvy and they see something like that oh I'm not going to that site and then you're diverting traffic away from people and that's you know that's kind of messed up <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I mean there's so much that you can do with the web where it's like you just don't need to you don't need to enforce um the requirement of HTTPS uh, at all, unless you're on a site, again, that would require it. 
So, the and fact I think people. That, I was yeah. gonna say too. I think people that are making sites that require it, they they know they're making a site that requires that kind of security. If if they're if you're making a banking site or something, um, well, yeah, know, because it's their, it's their responsibility to to exactly. make it secure. Exactly. Let them let them do it. Let people have take responsibility for their own sites. Right. They will. Right. I'm like right. I wouldn't make an online store and put it out there without making it secure. Obviously. Exactly. Exactly. Because it behooves the people doing it. Yeah. To have yeah. that in place. It's like they have the motivation to have that in place. There's no reason yeah. to make it seem like anything without HTTPS is is going to be dangerous. If some if some company is stupid enough to to have uh, you know sensitive information being passed over HTTPS, they they would very quickly be called out on it by right. anybody, right? It's like that's something that's so easy to pick up. Um, I mean, the browser displays it right in the menu bar if you're, uh, or right in the you know URL bar if you're right. secure or not. So, um, and again, I'm not really sure what the motivation is here. Because it's, I don't know. I, I don't know what, yeah. What do they gain from that other than, I don't really know what they gain from that, honestly. If you combine it with the other things, mm-hmm. you know, it, like a big picture, it's it's all, it kind of, it looks like just added control. That's mm-hmm. it, and that's it. Just it's just a way of controlling content, and that's a. F- I don't, I don't know, because the thing about that is like they they're not really discriminating uh, over what what content is excluded, other than right. that just doesn't have the HTTPS. Right. So so they're really discriminating against all sides in a sense. So it's not it's not like a political thing necessarily. It's yeah, just, yeah. It's just. Overall, content is they have they have that that control yeah. in, play, in place and and then mm-hmm. I mean if you want to get really um, uh, con- conspiratorial and I and I'm not conspiratorial I, I don't I don't tend to think that way but if you wanted to you could say well once people accept that little thing and then you start doing other things like the uh, the AMP. And some of the um, the advertising uh, restrictions they're putting on people, like these other things, start to it makes it easier to do these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, it's starting to sound it's starting to sound uh, totalitarian. But that's that's <laughs> I mean that's that would be the worst case is where this could all lead if it if it. It didn't get. It wasn't checked. Yeah, I guess that's why I'm trying to understand what the motivation is because it it doesn't make sense to me. And uh, looking at someone who was discussing this, um, he says he's the owner of Scripting.com, and he said he got an email from Google in June of 2018, and it says according to the email, I should and this is in quotes, migrate to HTTPS. To avoid triggering the new warning on your site and to help protect users' data. Yeah. And he says he his response was, It's a blog. I don't ask for any user data. Right. Um, right. And so what he's saying is he was remarking that Google's not secure message means 
and this is again in quotes, Google tried to take control of the open web and this site said no. Yeah. Uh, again, like that doesn't make sense. Like it's like a threat, like migrate to avoid triggering the new warning. Like what, why, like I just don't get it. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an extremely simple protocol. Um, for again, at, at its core, it was a way to fetch documents over, over this, you know, this newly created internet and, HTTPS, I don't think, came into play for a long time, and people were sharing documents. And, like, because if you remember, you know, the web back in the day, that's kind of all it was, right? You were just reading things. Yeah. Uh, and that's all it was. Like, literally, that's kind of all it was, for the most part, I think, for in the mainstream. Uh, and all the web app stuff came uh, a couple years, several years after that. So, um, I, I don't really understand it, but it's definitely something that they've been pushing. And, you know, proponents of the open web uh, and open standards are, are pushing back. And I, I, again, I'm not sure I understand the motivation, which is the hardest part because, you know, like when you see Apple doing stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, they're doing that for money. They're doing that to protect their bottom line. I, I don't really get this. Yeah. I mean, if, if you think of Google as trying to become the internet itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then then it makes more sense right it, it would have to start with um that those kinds of little things um you're seeing um you're also seeing things with analytics so mm-hmm. so like um Another one of these articles said, removing any custom web components or analytics by anyone but Google allows your content to hopefully appear in Google's top stories carousel. Mm-hmm. So you're basically getting free advertising from Google if if you're uh, following the quote-unquote new rules of the internet, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, but those things are a little more obvious. So I, I think if, and again, not that this is a big conspiracy theory, but but it's a, let's say Google is just ambitious and they want to be the internet itself. That's mm-hmm. that's the way to do it is to start controlling. Um, yeah, you know, start eliminating eliminating the open the openness of it. I guess right, and I think I mean that, that probably makes sense because, and I don't think it's I, again I, I I don't think it's conspiratorial at all. Like think of how many people work there. And think of the initial problem it solved, which was, you know, so I think the company's stated goal is to like something like organize the world's information or something Mm -hmm. like that. That's like their mission. Um, But what's funny. So, okay, so the Google search engine was based on a research paper from Sergey Brin and Larry Page at Stanford on a way to you know, better index the web. Um, And that was the start of the whole thing. And it's almost like, it's almost like you got to do something beyond, like, so let's say they solve that, right? Mm -hmm. We have a great search engine. It's working great. Um, Well, you're not going to stop there, right? (laughs) So you kind of have ideas of, well, what do we do next? Mm -hmm. So maybe in that constant quest of, well, what's next? 
you get to a point where you are maybe you are acting like you control the internet. You're an internet company. They like they are, you know, purely an internet company. They want you using web browsers. Um, it's part of their, like, uh, I don't know if mo or ethos is the right word or whatnot. But like, like let's we'll use Apple as a comparison. Apple's all about computers, hardware, and for the most part, native software. Right, they they are like software. Their original idea was that software is what makes people want the hardware. So mm-hmm. we need to write great software. So that's why they have so many natively written pieces of software for iPhone, for Mac, because they think that great software, or at least they once did. I don't know if they still feel this way, but <laughs> the way they used to, because now it feels like the hardware is. They think people just want the hardware, and the software can be buggy or not it's weird but anyway the point is like they believe in native software you know very strongly in the same way google believes in the web and web software and web browsers they don't want to write native software so like google docs is all in the browser but apple has you know their iWork stuff which is pages and numbers and keynote is the other one but they're all Native apps, they have, you can do it in the browser too if you log into iCloud.com, but that's kind of like an afterthought. Mm -hmm. I feel like they they did that because they felt like they needed to have an answer to Google Docs. But again, native software. So they do things very, very differently. Um, So I could see where if they feel like, well, we are the internet company, so we're going to define those standards. And then it Mm -hmm. gets to the point where they're essentially trying to assert control or have influence over these open standards um, Mm -hmm. as a side effect of answering that question of what's next. Now, I could be wrong, but that's that's kind of my take. You know, it's interesting that article you referenced, the the one about Google and HTTP, I think, Mm -hmm. where where he talked about the June 2018 email he got from them. Uh At the beginning of that article, he said... um, Google is a guest on the web, as we all are, and guests don't make the rules. Mm-hmm. And 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 I thought about that. It's like I I think I've all, I've even kind of fallen into the trap of thinking of Google as a gatekeeper, and they really are just a they're just a guest. Like they they do have to uh, abide by certain rules. <laughs> they don't make the rules, right? Um, so. Um, I, I, it, it may be something just as simple as, like you said, they, 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 they're, it's an ambitious company and Mm -hmm. they're just sort of taking the logical next step. Like what more, what, what else can we do? Um, we had another episode a while back where we talked about the legislation that's being put in place against, and Google is one of the companies, um, Google, Apple, Facebook, some of these other companies. And there's actual, obviously there's legislation now that's, that, that, um, the courts are having to come up with to regulate things, and and maybe it's just the natural progression. You know, these companies they just overreach. They have a tendency to overreach, and then they get you know slapped on the yeah wrist or more or more than that. Yeah, and and they pull back, and then it's like it's kind of that that ebb and flow of um of history that, and and I think it's kind of as old as as old as time obviously social media is not and and search engines haven't been around forever but that that tendency for people to overreach or try to seize more power than they should and sure um, you know it's kind of a natural process in a way i think there's something to be said 
<laughs> I've talked with some of my friends about this. Um, especially with investor. Well, I guess it's part of the stock market. Uh, is like the desire for constant growth. Yeah. But it's like once you get to a certain point, uh, like why do you need to keep like I think it's okay to have like a business that is, you know, profitable and stable. And yeah. it's like this is what we do. And right. if you are, you know, I guess I'm sure there's a lot of private companies that work that way, right? It's like this is our business. We're not looking for constant growth every quarter and nothing can like I mean, this is not the most positive analogy, but, you know, the only thing that grows uncontrollably is, like, it's called cancer, right? Mm. And it's, like, it's just not possible. Like, I don't see how these companies like Google and Apple can be can be growing every quarter. Like, we can go back to Apple, and I guess this is getting a little off topic, but, like, a lot of people think that Apple has lost their way. Okay, Mm -hmm. like compared to what they used to be. And the only reason I can think of that is their need to keep growing the value of their company and their stock. Like they've gotten into areas that they have historically not been good at, which is fine if they think that they can execute well on it. But like this whole like, oh, services are our new thing. Like they're making like TV shows and movies now, Mm -hmm. you know, to prop up Apple TV. And while people talk about bugs that exist in the software that have, you know, never been fixed. And I know that they have different people handling those things. It's not like, Hey, I can't work on Mac OS cause I'm filming this movie. I know that's not how it works and that there's different people doing those things, but it has to do with, um, company focus and where you're putting resources and, you know, how the company's organized. And if the software is languishing, which a lot of people think it is compared to historical standards, something is different within the company and something is wrong because it's like, well, computers are not going to move that bottom line at this mm-hmm. point beyond where not, not to the degree that they want. Like the, the Mac is still growing. I think, I don't know if iPhone is still growing, but like, you know, they're still having record quarters in those areas. Mm-hmm. But the only way to get the growth that they want is to like add new categories. So that's why they have to have the Apple Watch. And that's why they have to have all these services like, you know, Apple Fitness and Apple TV. And that's why they have like their Apple One bundle where you pay $30 a month to get everything. Like there was no $30 a month subscription a year ago or two Mm -hmm. years ago. And -hmm. if they have. Millions and millions of customers, well, if some of them sign on to their services, they have different things, right? They have Apple Music. They've got the iCloud uh, storage stuff. And again, the Apple One, you get all of it in one. But like these services that they're trying to sell now, it's a way to get uh, you know, regular monthly money from you. Because mm-hmm. it's like, well, we're not necessarily sen- selling them a new computer every quarter. And then it goes into... You know, there's the Apple credit card. Well, now we can get interest from people if they're buying stuff and they're finding ways to just like pull more money out of customers yeah. by expanding what they do instead of focusing on their core competencies mm-hmm. and being excellent and trying to stay excellent at those. Like plenty of people are really not happy. And I've said it already a couple of times, really not happy with the way uh, like Mac OS is going and a lot of like the developer tools like 
problems with Xcode and like you just see more and more complaining on like Twitter, like dev Twitter, whatever you want to call it, developers on Twitter. Um, increasing amounts of unhappiness. And again, the only thing I could think of is that this is a result of chasing that growth. Yeah, unlimited, um, unlimited growth. Unlimited growth. Like, where does it stop? Yeah. <laughs> no, you were, uh, got to stop somewhere. Yeah. You remember way back in the day, Coke, Coca-Cola, their their um, goal was mm-hmm. to get a have a Coke within reach of every person, every, every, I don't remember what it was, every kitchen in America or every, to have a Coke within 10 yards of every person in America or something like, something ridiculous. Wow. Like I don't remember that actually. That yeah. sounds terrible. And they would teach. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously knowing what we know now and probably even knew then about, you know, the contents of Coke, mm-hmm. that's not, that that's only seen as a noble virtue if you if you think of cutthroat competition or as mm-hmm. as noble, and I I think they did teach that in in schools for a while. It was like you know here's an example of a of a good marketing ambition, uh, um, or marketing goal. Like it was, they were looking beyond you know just beating. In other words, they were looking beyond their initial competition, which I guess would have been Pepsi or whatever mm-hmm. back then mm-hmm. and they had this really ambitious goal of of having a, a i wish i knew the exact wording of it but it was having a coke within arm's length of someone everyone in america or something like something like that mm-hmm. so there's so the point is I, I think even these in these tech products you know a lot of them you can argue have really good um you know they're not bad for your health obviously like coke and they have a lot of good um, features that are helpful mm-hmm. to society, but I think that that uh, sometimes to use the the Jeff Goldblum analogy again, <laughs> uh-huh. sometimes you don't just because you can do something doesn't mean you should, right? Um, and I, I don't know if if that's the only the only goal is just like you said the unlimited growth. There's got to be there's got to be something. It's like no end game. Yeah, there's no end game, and it's got to be something more, more benevolent than that. I yeah, think should be the goal. Should be, you know, what actually what actually makes life better overall, right? For, for everyone, as opposed to what makes our our stocks grow, right? Definitely, right. Which I don't um, think is sustainable anyway. You know. No, no. There's going to be a point where it. Well, what's funny is that happens to a lot of companies in general, right? They kind of hit a point where they're stable and then they're like boring to, I mean, if you look at the investor world, it's like, oh yeah, like they're just, you know, I guess, um, this is getting really off topic, (laughs) but like, uh, like if you, if you buy, uh, I think AT&T is a good one. Like blue, they call them like blue chip dividend stocks. Yeah, because AT and T pays a dividend on every stock that you own. So you know, if you want to earn a percentage on each stock, uh, it's like it's a stable business. They make a profit every quarter, and they pay you every quarter for owning their stock. And that's that's it. Like mm-hmm. the, I don't think there's a heavy focus on growth, or you know. 
any of that stuff. I think they're, like I said, I think they're mostly a stable company. And regardless of whether or not you think they do a good job or if they're actually serving the customer well, you know, it's stable and you and you make a little bit of money for owning the stock. And that's it. And that right. to me is like, I think that is more than fine. <laughs> there isn't like this cutthroat race to to grow the value of the stock necessarily. And they're going to do everything they can to, you know, I mean, maybe they do do this, but I was going to say milk every last dollar out of their customer. But, um, you know, there's a lot of companies like that. But again, they're not like they're not hot companies or whatever that everyone's trying to buy into. You buy into it early and hope it takes off, you know, like all these other stocks have over the past 10 years or whatnot. But anyway, I, I think that's probably a motivation for a lot of this stuff in terms of, you know, you're chasing growth, you're chasing control. Um I mean, I don't have another explanation for it. Right. Yeah, I know I've mentioned I've mentioned Jim Collins in the past when we talked about level five leadership way back mm-hmm. last season. He wrote, and that was uh, the book I think I referenced was Good to Great. Mm-hmm. But he, the one he wrote before that was called Built to Last, and these are all these are both real popular books. Mm-hmm. Um, and Built to Last, he t- he talked about companies. Specific companies that had um, sort of outlived their creators, and mm-hmm. um, and sort it was sort of the study of how they had done that, how the companies had been set up to have this sustained growth and stuff. And there were companies like Disney and Boeing, Hewlett Packard, I think IBM, Procter and Gamble. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, Johnson and Johnson. Stuff like that. I think Walmart was in there. But anyway, one of the criticisms of the book was even short, you know, just just a few years after the book was written, mm-hmm. some of these companies had sort of uh, lagged a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. I think when you when you if you're trying to set up a company to to just go for a hundred years of just uninterrupted growth if that's the if that's the only mm-hmm. goal mm-hmm. not only is that impossible but you're going to end up trying to um you're going to end up using tactics let's say that may not be beneficial for everyone if that's if that's your only goal yeah then you're inevitably going to end up in a place where you're um you're just building a machine basically that's right so I don't know. It just it's 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 interesting. You've, I know you've mentioned this before when we talk about Apple and stuff. Like how much is how much is enough when it comes to shareholder, yeah, uh, profits and stuff like that. Yeah. At what point do you shift your thinking to okay, what's actually going to help people? Um, I don't think I think there's a lot of people who don't think that way though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obviously, right? It's how much can I get? Uh. And that's where you get the legislative stuff that comes in. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's, that's yeah. what you're seeing now, basically. Yeah. Um, it's And again, it's the whole idea, which we've also talked about, where government is too... Government is too slow to keep up with the uh, speed of tech. And so these things come in probably much yeah. later than they were needed. 
Yeah. But they are going to pro- they're almost I feel like it's almost surely going to happen in terms of something happening to these companies. They have especially Apple has lost so much goodwill lately like I don't know if you heard man we we're going to have to come back to the topic here in a minute, but there was a, a story about a uh, discovered like malware on iOS called Pegasus mm. where you can basically infect any any uh any iPhone without clicking on anything, without them needing to do anything or something, and it's just like this massive security hole. Mm. And it's like they're they're just saying like everything Apple says about why they do what they do on the iPhone about security, all this stuff. It's a complete lie because yeah. it's like there's all these security holes they don't fix. Yeah, and you can take over it without putting any software on the App Store or anything like that. And like people are mad about it, and they're mad about it on Twitter, like developers, and they're just like. They're like Apple is not going to get away with this at this point. Yeah. Um, and there's just there's no yeah. And I've seen so many people. There's another app that just got pulled called like iDOS, which allows you to load files. On it was like a DOS emulator, I think. So you could actually load old DOS games or DOS programs on your iPhone and play them, and it worked pretty well. And I don't know how they got it through, but it's been on the store for a while and it just got pulled. And people are angry about it. And they're like, this is why we need to be able to load our own software on the iPhone. And normally, like, again, because this conversation has happened a lot over the past couple of, I mean, not past couple of years, but since the iPhone was released, a lot of people have been saying I should be able to load whatever I want on it. And a lot of people would defend Apple, say, no, no, like, I want it to be secure. I like Apple's protection, blah, 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 blah. And I'm seeing less and less of that. Mm. There's still people who say that, but I see a lot of people saying, like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is my device. I should be able to do what I want with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, People should be able to put software on it if they want. Like, it's a computer in my pocket. Let me run my software on it. Yeah. I mean, I would be kind of surprised if in another couple of years we're in the same situation. I think something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You know what else is interesting is that Epic, you know, we've been talking about that uh, mm-hmm. uh, trial. trial. And we're waiting the results of the trial. Yeah. Somebody asked Tim Sweeney on Twitter about, uh, so Valve is releasing like a new handheld game console. It's basically like a PC in a in like a switch like form factor uh you know like the nintendo switch mm-hmm. it's very very similar uh it, it's basically running what's called steam os which is a version of linux that can run like windows games it has like some kind of translation layer or something to where it can run windows games and somebody tweeted it to tim or tim sweeney said like this is awesome you know good job valve you know this is the kind of thing we like to see and someone asked him like why don't you do why don't you release like your own version of this? And his response was, uh, for Epic, our our princess is in another castle, <laughs> which you know is a reference to the old Super Mario Brothers. But mm-hmm. what I take from that is that they're working on something that might be some kind of open platform for mm-hmm. something, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're making their own phone. Maybe yeah. they're making their own version like because what all they need to do and this is a mass and people have tried this before but if they had their own version of linux uh or their own linux distro that had like 
great graphics drivers and could run games as well as Windows, and it was easy to install. Be- like that would could be a big deal because games drive a lot of PC innovation. Like when it comes to video cards and all that, like mm-hmm. it's all around video games, and they're like Nvidia is a massive company, and their focus is. I mean, they do AI and stuff like that as well, but, you know, they sell video cards for video games. Right. And that's a big, that is a big chunk of their company. Same thing with AMD. Almost all computer performance stuff is is primarily driven by, by video games. So, if Epic was able to develop a distro of Linux that could run games as well as Windows, have a nice interface... Be user friendly, and I have no idea if this is what they're doing. All he, because this is only based on this comment, which makes me think, well, they're working on something. So my, you know, I was thinking, well, what could they be working on that might make a difference? So if they had something like that, and then they also released their own version of a phone or something uh, that had that same kind of open mentality and had the performance and all that, yeah, I don't know if that would make a difference. But like again, it could be like here's your phone. Anybody can put any software they want on it. They're a pretty big company at this point. They're worth several billion dollars. And they have clout. Yeah, and uh, they I, they obviously they showed a lot of boldness, you know, right. coming out with the commercial like they did, and right. they seem to do a lot of that. Like they had that all planned out, so they could have yeah. something really really big planned out, like you're saying. Right, right, and Android itself is uh uses a linux kernel so it's not that far-fetched to say you could have your own phone running like linux on it um uh so there's a there's a distro called ubuntu i don't know if you've heard of it mm-hmm. yeah linux company called canonical mm-hmm. if they, they've tried this before they tried to do a phone didn't work out um mm-hmm. the whole idea of the ubuntu distro in the first place was to try and dethrone Windows, I think. Um, so, like, that didn't work out either. It was, I remember it was very popular when it came out because it was more user friendly than other uh, Linux distros, but mm-hmm. it still has not, it, it really hasn't made a dent in the whole Windows and, and Mac, uh, you know, domination. Mm-hmm. So, I would be very interested to see an epic. Uh, based distro and i feel like they have not only the software expertise but the um the ability to dedicate resources mm-hmm. to to creating a user-friendly distro that could be as easy as installing windows and mm-hmm. could be as easy as using windows you know mm-hmm. um and it would obviously be open in the same way and free probably like every other Linux distro that I know of. Um, so who knows? Yeah. I would like to see it. Um, I don't know what he meant. I could be totally wrong. Maybe they're making their own video game system. I don't know. <laughs> I could be totally wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a funny thought that there's companies you think of now that are just monsters. <laughs> like Devlin McGregor. Yeah. No, no but like social media giants and tech giants and i mean or youtube for example mm-hmm. but it's it's a weird thought that it, it, just 15 years ago a lot of these companies didn't even exist oh I mean, yeah they, they became uh monsters very quickly 
Um, and it seems like there's no way, you know, another company could come along and 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 challenge them. But um, obviously, things things change very quickly. Things so. change, yeah. And a lot of it, like I'm sure there's going to be a time when, um, you know, YouTube is not like hip. Yeah, and it's not like because being a YouTuber is like a thing, right? That's like a right. job now that you can get if you're if you're lucky enough to right. get that audience, and it's like you make a lot of money there. But it's a very small percentage of people who do it. But at some point, YouTube is going to be like you know, like NBC, like oh what <laughs> you watch you watch network television, yeah, yeah. Like well, who even knows what they do? Like oh they're old fashioned, and you yeah. know maybe it's twenty years from now, but almost everything comes and goes, and. Yeah. I there's going to be probably inflection points for a lot of these companies. Like I can't imagine Facebook being, I mean, I know that they're working on stuff, but again, it's just what in 15 years, like Facebook is going to be a big deal. Like, I don't know. It just seems hard to imagine unless they really change what their products are. Mm-hmm. Um, I could yeah. be wrong. I could yeah. be wrong. Well, they're already kind of have an old kind of have an old fashioned, uh, image to, to yeah to, they know, do Gen Z. right i think that like because now it's like what like tiktok like yeah. is, is instagram even cool anymore i don't know and it's and i think it's fading i mean i think tiktok is the the more popular platform yeah and i know that instagram is owned by facebook as well but yeah um yeah so actually, it's like, actually i don't know if instagram's fading i shouldn't say that but i know it, i know tick tiktok's you know, it's like it's like the hot thing right it's now. It's the hot thing, yeah. And uh, which doesn't bode well for attention spans, I think, or in the future intelligence for our or country. intelligence or anything. Uh, but it, it's where we're at right now. So. How long are the TikTok videos? They have a limit, right? Like sixty so. seconds or something. I, you know I'm what's funny sure. about that is commercials used to be the short snippets that would interrupt our shows yeah now the mainstream show is the length of a commercial <laughs> yeah on TikTok. yeah yeah if you i was thinking about this too like if you hadn't gone to uh we're getting way off topic yeah we goodness. are <laughs> uh if if you had gone to let's say a baseball game back in the i always use the baseball analogy mm-hmm. back in the 80s or 90s even mm-hmm and let's say you didn't go to a game for 10 or 15 years or 20 years and you went to a game today it's like i think you would be shocked at how desperate they are to keep people's attention like in between innings all the all uh-huh. the games they play on the on the mm. scoreboard and the, just the ways yeah. that the, kind of the mindless entertainment between yeah. innings and then not to mention all the ways they're trying to speed up the game and all this so I mean, you can kind of see it just in that microcosm of mm-hmm. the sport of baseball, but the attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. Um, so TikTok, I, I think, kind of appeals to that. Uh, yeah. Um, and then the same arguments in tennis, which I just don't yeah. under, like it. Like, like get rid of the second serve. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Like one serve? Yeah, that's the whole game. Yeah. yeah. Or like, yeah. or the worst one is make the majors best two out of three. Like, I would stop watching. Yeah. Like, like. Yeah, like Wimbledon is a two out of three set tournament. No, thank you. Yeah, it's like that would be lame anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I hear you. Uh, that sounds silly. Yeah, and then 
I think also it's like the ability to get famous so quickly and so effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I, I think you still have to be a little lucky, but some of these, these TikTok videos, they get millions and millions of views and they're just mm-hmm. like, you know, people dressing up their dog. And it's like, mm-hmm. I think that, that, that fame thing is really uh, addicting too. So, I mean, so going back to what we were saying about these products, like if you're building a platform like that and you're just trying to, you know, to keep growing your bottom line, bottom line, again, is that something you should be doing? Is your business model actually helping culture or is it, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I guess even talking about TikTok, it still, still applies. Sure. So let's go. So back to Google. This was all I think that might have been. I think that might have been our all-time detour. Yeah, but but you know what? It all relates though. It all relates. Again, this is no, what, I know. This is what Google may be doing with some of this overreaching. So yeah, uh, let's I mean, yeah. So you mentioned. Um, I think it's called Google Amp, but yeah. it, maybe it's AMP. But AMP. Uh, okay, AMP. I I I've always called it Amp, uh, and I. But it is all capitalized. Uh, Let's just call it AMP to to make it easy. Let's call it AMP. Don't mind. We should look that up, see what's right. Uh, So Google AMP is something that they tried um, or instituted, I should say, several years ago. And what it was, I think, was they wanted a faster way to load web pages. Um, Mm -hmm. I think. I could be wrong on this. But what they would do is basically take a website's content mm-hmm. and make like an a called like an AMP version of it that stripped mm-hmm. out like <laughs> their advertising, uh, okay. which is kind of weird because they're an ad company. And I could be wrong if this is a, we should review and make sure real quick. But anyway, it was a way for Google to control like what how the user was seeing the story content and kind of be like a middleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, between users and the uh, and the content, and people were like, "Wait a minute! Like, you can't do this. These are like our these are our uh, customers, so to speak." And I'm not sure if I don't know if that's a hundred percent accurate description of the of the product, but it caused a really big uproar. And I've seen it actually on. I think sometimes when I've used Google Chrome, I rarely use Google Chrome on on my phone and it's usually to see like oh like what have they done with it lately i'm going to take a look mm-hmm. and, I, and i've seen those google amp versions of sites and they're kind of weird um, oh, so they you can just tell it's not like the website mm. uh it just like looks a little different but um yeah so that was and i don't know if it's still a thing but again it's something that they i don't know where like what they thought you know the good idea was <laughs> For that, but uh, made a lot of people very mad again. Um, so, w- yeah. w- was it a way to? Because I know, like, big JavaScript files can slow down mm-hmm. websites. So th- they were they were basically not allowing programmers to use script tags. Is that right? And then they so they basically created their own tags. So, which eliminates you know, mm-hmm. a, a huge percentage of websites, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's another 
going back to what we we're saying about HTTP, HTTPS, were they hoping to get to a point where it's like all programmers had to use their tags? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, all right. So I'm looking at a page that discusses what AMP is, and it stands for uh, Accelerated Mobile Pages. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of going right to the web page, that's right. You get taken to a copy on Google's servers. So you're not viewing. It's almost, It's like, I don't know if saying Cliff Notes version would be the right analogy. But uh, it says that instead of letting websites load whatever resources they want from wherever they want, Google AMP creates its own version of the page mm-hmm. limited to the most basic and fastest web technologies. And right. except for a few pre-approved cases, publishers are blocked from using JavaScript. Mm-hmm. The main culprit in slow page loads. The web loads are also ho- uh, the web pages are also hosted on Google servers, which speeds things up even more. Um, yeah, so this person says, take the following new site. For example, if I load the normal site on an Android phone, I either get a pop-up overlay ad or an enormous ad that requires me to scroll through the page before I can read the article. Uh, and at the bottom of the article, I get a swath of different advertisements for articles around the web over two screens worth. On the Google AMP page, ads are much more subdued. Just a few small banners. Okay, so they still show ads with no extra junk at the end. Just the end of the actual page showing the site's official trending list. Isn't that better, it writes? Is this uh, is this a Google person writing this? Hmm. There are a couple ways to tell if you've been to a Google AMP page. It'll Like it's located in the, or it's labeled in the search. But what's... What seems weird to me about that is it's Google is stealing their content. Mm-hmm. It's Google. It's hosted on Google's page, mm-hmm. and I don't. I think that's the thing is that I don't think these companies agreed to that. So Google can basically scrape the websites, make their own version of it, strip out their stuff, and say like, "Well, here, here's the content, but you're going to look at it on our servers." Mm-hmm. And what was that that you were saying about HTTP in relation to this? Well, it's just another way to to control content, I guess, is just from an overall standpoint. Yeah, totally. Um, and I don't think people, you know, there was a lot of people who were not happy with it, I don't think. Um, hold on, let's see here. Uh, but yeah, like, it says the image tag can't be another it says the image tag cannot be used except as a descendant of a no script tag so mm. and that so valid amp pages must use the provided amp amp image tag mm-hmm. which independently decides when images should load based on performance and network speed so like you, yeah let's, hypothetically let's just say it got to a point where you had to that's that's how I was connected to HTTP. So you had to have you had to use HTTPS, mm-hmm. you had to program your actual uh, HTML tags a certain way mm-hmm. um, in order to conform to their standards. Uh, at some point, it would get to the you know if all of this stuff actually got implemented, it would get to the point where Google really was the gatekeeper of the whole mm-hmm. internet. You know, as mm-hmm. a developer, you would have to be using their, right. their uh, nomenclature, you know. Right. And it kind of, 
Like, why not just try and write a fast web page and then yeah. not have this AMP thing? Like, yeah. just try and... Because there are sites that do abuse ads and, and you know, make it a pain to to navigate um, because there are so many ads. But it's like, man, if they've... And what's funny is that... <laughs> It's so, it's so weird, like you know, because Google is an ad-driven company. That's how mm-hmm. they make their money. Yeah. And so it's gotten to the point where it's so bad that like they're they come up with a a version for mobile that like will strip some of that stuff out so that things can run okay. Like that's not that's also so uh, against like core ideas of computing. Like we've it's it's insane how far we've come from. Like the early days of computing, let's say, where you had extremely limited resources. And so, you know, you would need to optimize everything or come up with clever solutions to do things so you could fit things in memory or, you know, processing and all that. And now we have so much available resources that we can have inefficient, like we have inefficient languages and inefficient software stacks. And we're like throwing all these ads on things and to the point where it's like, oh, we need to strip it down and have like another standard to strip down a web page so that it'll run okay on a mobile device. And it's like, man, the web could be so fast if we got rid of so much of the stuff that literally exists so that Google could make money. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're they're like coming up with solutions to strip away the things that make the money because mm-hmm. like it, it just seems like this weird. I don't know if catch 22 is the right word, but it's like, this is kind of your fault. (laughs) Uh, And you're coming up with something that essentially steals content from people to, uh, to solve for that. So it's just weird. And so what I'm reading below is that like some people have, um, some publishers have like wanted to disable amp and Google's been trying to work on, ways to say that like oh you don't we don't want our site to be have like an amp version and mm-hmm. sometimes like it doesn't work right so it leads to a 503 or 404 error when someone clicks through from right. to the site so it's like well now you're breaking stuff mm-hmm. um, it's crazy like i i just don't i don't get it they it's such a weird idea uh again you could just have you could have clean, fast-running web pages if you really wanted to. Like, if you have no, if you have like no JavaScript, which is almost unworkable these days, because again, as we talked about, the web is basically a software platform now. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't have JavaScript, like loading stuff, like loading massive, like the web is fast. Like, it doesn't take that long to load yeah. up CML or even CSS and render that stuff out, and it can be super fast. It's all the layers of crud that have been added mm-hmm. uh, where you're serving out like when you if you load up a, a web page that has like ads in the banner on the sides and the footers and all that stuff. A lot of times yeah. those ads are being run through a marketplace where essentially automated bidding is happening. So you load up the web page and it's like, well, how much will this person pay for this? this ad space well how much will this other person pay it's like again like instant bidding war type thing to serve an ad and that takes resources right and that takes time 
even if it's, you know, a second, let's say it's a second or half a second, or maybe more, it could be two seconds, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But then you multiply that by every ad on the page. Yeah. And you think about all the calls it's making, and it's like, yeah, well, that's stuff, like, we're waiting for that. Like, we're right. waiting for that stuff to show up. And that's how they're paying for these sites. Because people, they're not charging people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that stuff kind of has to has to run. And so, like I said, it's gotten to the point where this, now they have this AMP technology to try to solve for that on the mobile side, at least, because mobile browsers uh, are much weaker and they rely on battery power. So you don't want to be burning through your battery for ads on your mobile site. But uh, I guess that's where they're at now. So. Yeah. So, I think this is a related question, but uh-huh. how how much control does do you think Google has over search engine optimization? So, so like if you're like I mm-hmm. I read that quote earlier. I think it was the same article where it basically said that if you're you make a website and you you take out the the custom web components. Mm-hmm. Um, for analytics that that uh, are made by anyone but Google, that mm-hmm. sort of a, that Google gives you preference in your uh, yeah their top stories carousel. So um, that's the big issue, right? Because Google, if Google has control over the search engine optimization, yep. then I mean that's everything. So you're you're basically you're you're trying to appease that that's the power right so you're trying yep. to appease them to get the right placement or the top placement yeah and you know obviously there's people that would do anything for that yeah i, I mean so so how much how much control if do you know like how much control they really have over that or is it, do they have all the control well when you say how much control do they have over that do you mean that the results are strictly i was like uh, the result of an algorithm, or can they like manually change those results? Is that what yeah. you're asking? Yeah, well, I'm assuming it's an algorithm, but yes. But is it? Uh, I mean, they are the search engine, right? So, so yeah, they kind of they kind of make the rules. Yes. Um, and I, I think this was going to be. So I think you kind of led right into the last topic that I I kind of wanted to cover. Yeah. On this. Um, Unless you wanted to talk about the the tracking stuff as well, but that's a little different from from controlling the internet. Well, um, we've talked about that in the social dilemma. Okay, so we won't, we won't we won't review that. Uh, I, I think we can finish with with this idea of of the information which connects to uh, that's a causes episode, speech. Episode thirty five, by the way, sneakers. <laughs> Okay, oh, so yeah, you yeah. pulled that one too, huh? Okay, yeah. Uh, that was a two-parter, wasn't it? Well, sneakers. Social dilemma was thirty-five. Oh, okay. People want to hear that one. So, anyway, I was talking about cause when he says it's not about like weapons or something. It's about about the about information. Who yeah. controls the information? Yeah, and that's literally this topic right. is what is Google doing with search results, and this has become another uh, topic of contention of of late i think and so i think the answer to your question now again i have absolutely no knowledge of internal workings at google or how they build their search engine but um my assumption would be that it is a combination of 
yes, there's an algorithm because there's, you know, that's, that's storing these things. There's no way to manually account for every possible search, uh, you know, query that could be made, right? There's like yeah. an infinite amount of things that could be searched for. Yeah. Now, there could be certain things that are important to Google that they have, you know, corporate beliefs around or whatnot um, that they want to manipulate. And I think there's been some discussion of that. In fact, I think there was some discussion of that. Uh, some revealed internal. Uh, I could be wrong, but I, I thought I read this somewhere um, that there was like records of of internal discussions at Google about like basically how they wanted to get Trump kicked out mm-hmm. or have make Trump lose in the mm-hmm. in the last election, and they were going to manipulate you know search results to try to swing voter mm-hmm. uh, sentiment. Right. That could be wrong, uh, so don't quote me on that. I'd have to look for that again. But it was, it, from what I remember, it was like quoting people by name and had quotes that like, oh, here's what we're doing and all that. So I'm sure that they have some kind of power in terms of the things that they want to highlight and things that they don't want to. Because what I was reading was... Um, the danger of Google deciding again, because like you know, Google's the verb now, right? You you want to find yeah. something out, you Google it, right? I mean, I know that we duck duck go it, but uh, <laughs> most people Google it, that's and right. that's uh, <laughs> that's episode thirty four for those of you. Oh wow, you want to learn more about duck duck go? You are the Google of our podcast. I was going to reference that later in the show. Just, oh okay okay, but, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> we did a whole episode on DuckDuckGo yeah. and how that that's a good alternative if you want to have more privacy on the internet. Yeah, you know, I was thinking, I wonder if they're held back at all by having, like, such a goofy name. <laughs> I think it's a pretty good name, actually. But, but it's like a childhood game. Yeah. No, it's not, because, it, like, Google's like a hip uh, tech it's also, name. It's know? also more more syllables than Google, so it's... Yeah, yeah. Google's easier to say. They should have named it something like, you know, you strip out the E or something, and you call Well, I think that was a video game system. I was going to say Engage Uh, or something like that, or Enquiry, you know? It's like you give it like a tick name. Uh, Don't name it DuckDuckGo. Or, I mean, it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. I think it's cool. All they did was chop off the OSC. They took DuckDuckGoose. Oh yeah, chopped off the end, and now you duck, duck, go. I don't know. It's a. I really wonder if it's held back a little bit by that. Maybe, maybe you Um, need every edge you can get. You you do. You need every edge uh, you can get. So back to the point, which was, uh, what were we talking about? There was a line of thinking I I was on, and uh, Uh, man, election. You were talking about the election. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so the, the, the concern was because again, Google's the standard for searching because by far and away, they've had the best technology for getting the results you want. But if they're adjusting the results to fit what they want to show people, oh, and there was a study on this as well that that showed that like Google could influence (laughs) like election results by like 15 to 20%, Mm. something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. To the point where it's like, oh, again, like, do they need to be regulated type of a thing? 
Right. Um, but the point was that they don't become an index. Uh, what, what was the phrase? Like they don't become an index, but they become a directory of mm-hmm. what people want you to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's true. If information is power, and this has been like the uh, the battle that's been discussed about you know people being banned on YouTube and Twitter because they say one like whatever's not popular at the moment or not the accepted thing at the moment, and it's like oh we're gonna ban you now. Mm-hmm. And it's like well if you have that going, like if that's what these tech companies are doing, that's not. It's just not. An, I don't know. It's not free information. It's you're just letting us see the only things that you want people to see, which is so bizarre to me. It's <laughs> it's mm. like well, I, I grew up with like things like you know Patrick Henry give me liberty or give me death, and like yeah. I, don't, I don't agree with what you're saying, but I'll fight to the death for yeah. your right to say it. Right. And things like uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And now yeah. words are like most dangerous thing in the yeah. world like yeah. how dare you say this yeah. like it's it's totally opposite of of what we were told what we were told as children yeah in terms of like being a strong person and being a, a mature person <laughs> and now we have people like screaming you know how dare how dare you say this or how dare you say that it's like i what what yeah. what's going on yeah. so you have these tech companies enforcing those ideas uh, and so I guess those are that's kind of the trifecta almost of you know there's there might be more I don't know but like you know Google controlling what information it's showing you Google trying to control the protocols that the web runs on and Google copying sites and formatting them into their own custom uh, technologies and showing like users stuff on their servers that they've scraped from other people's servers. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty, and when you have a a company that's as dominant as Google and has such a large, I hate this term, but mind share. The reason I hate that term is because it's something that's completely unmeasurable and people use it all the time to describe things that they can't prove. Right. Mm. Oh, this company has so much mind share. It's like, well, how many minds, What's the percentage of mind share that it has? Like, it's not something you can measure, and it's, I don't know. Yeah. To get in this case, because everybody knows Google, and everybody uses something from Google, probably whether or not you like them. Like, you have to go out of your way to to kind of avoid Google at this point. Right. Right. So, again, you have a dominant dominant internet company that's trying to control the protocols, the information, and the content. That's kind of all of it. Right. Oh. So right. if they're doing that, it's like they they have to at some level believe they are the internet. Right. And they're they're really not. Like they that was not the original goal of the company or you know and it's kind of evolved into that. Um and then they also have Android, which is on a majority of the world's mobile phones. So they have <laughs> they basically have information on where and if you include running their software on iOS, you know, they have information on where everybody's going, who they talk to, who they're around, what they're looking at, what they're listening to, you know, everything, essentially everything. And if you're using Android messaging, which is not end-to-end encrypted as far as I know, they, have, they could have information on what you're saying to your friends. Mm-hmm. 
how is that how is that not like dangerous mm-hmm. you know uh i don't think it's the kind of power that any company or entity at all should have over other yeah. people yeah uh, yeah there's, it's wild yeah there's a couple of things that so there was a lawsuit back in 2016 with e-ventures worldwide are you familiar with that so that, uh, that was, uh, it sounds familiar so that was an seo service website mm-hmm. and it had it says it had all 365 pages of its site blacklisted from search engine results because google google deemed them pure spam um so they they sued went to court and i'm trying to find the so okay so back in may so this was may of 2016 federal judge on the case ruled that google had anti-competitive economic motives for blacklisting e-ventures pages the better seo companies are at their jobs after all the less businesses need to pay for adwords which is how the search engine makes most of the revenue it's not as google argues simply a matter of free speech anymore so that's what the judge said so this was back in 2016 Mm -hmm. um and it reminds me very much very much of kind of what's what apple's going through now Mm -hmm. same same thing with like there was there's a lot of people that complain like you were mentioning the apps that are on the Android that come with the Android. Mm-hmm. Um, just like with Apple, it's the same thing. But Google does it too. And this goes back to my point at the very beginning of the episode. Is Google kind of has, still has this overall reputation, I feel, that's a, that's that it's this open source thing. And I think it's it hasn't been like that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And then I was going to say also the... You mentioned all the information that Google has on you. So um, now there are a lot of ways that people can kind of control what Google uh, is seeing, uh, other than you know switching to DuckDuckGo, which is we we would probably recommend. You can ob- obviously be in on incognito mode, but there's other settings in Google, and I don't know if you want to go over that other article that you you uh, sent me, which talk about ways that people can actually control some of that stuff because because yes google uh, google yeah. uses, uh, we don't have to go over the whole thing or we don't have to go for it at all but google uses that stuff i guess i just want to go back to that one comment you made is google google has all that information but are they using it just for advertising because i know there's a there's a setting in your on your uh, on your Chrome, where you can go in and, and take off um, the personalized setting, so Google won't won't use any of that information. But you'll still get mm-hmm. advertisements; they just won't be mm-hmm. tailored to you. And I know in the past you've said like I like, or you said you like the the ads being targeted to you. So yeah, is I have that no all problem with doing, that. Is, is that all they're doing with that information, or is you know a lot of people picture it? I don't know if you ever saw the movie um, Snowden. The the Oliver no. Stone movie. No. So they show <laughs> kind of showing similar to what they did in the social dilemma, they kind of showed like the inner workings of um the NSA. Of Snowden's, the NSA and and they make it look very sinister and sure uh, you know, basically the people just sitting there 
mining sifting through all your data and, <laughs> and, and thinking of ways to manipulate you. Uh, that's the that's kind of the impression you get watching the movie. So is it that or is it just that you know this data is being accumulated on your personal devices and and it's being used pretty much just for advertising and obviously you can even control that to the point yeah. where you're not you're not getting that. So again this is <laughs> I have no knowledge of what's going on inside Google. Mm. Uh, and this is purely a guess, uh, maybe a minorly educated guess, but it's a guess nonetheless. Um, so my assumption would be that they are tra- uh, they are collecting massive amounts of data that to a point that I think that most people have no idea about. Right, mm-hmm. like they don't realize the magnitude of it. Yeah, uh, probably not even the governments are aware of the capability. Even though, like, I know they have hearings and stuff, but these people don't know of computers. They don't know about dealing with big data and all the all the types of things that you can collect and build to, you know, relate data to each other to figure out. You know, if this person is seeing this person or, or like, you know, was around this person or should we send them this ad because they spent some time with this person and they were maybe talking about this topic. The, the data is way – okay, so we'll put it like this. I think they're collecting tons and tons of data way beyond what most people imagine. It is not being looked at and it's being used in automated systems basically for targeting ads, things like mm-hmm. that. However – the data is stored and it's saved and it's almost cer- certainly searchable. Mm-hmm. So let's say uh, someone who grew up with the internet wants to run for president in 2050 and Google doesn't want that person to win. <laughs> who says that somebody at that company can't leak something that yeah. would hurt their campaign? Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, if you were running the opposing com- campaign, that's the first thing you would probably do is, you know, get your contact at Google and see what you can dig up. Right. Think of think of having recordings of everything they've ever texted, every photo they've ever taken, every search they've ever made, every person they've ever been around. Yeah. You telling me you can't find something that you can't twist? Yeah. Into something that's going to be a scandal. And right. I'm talking about somebody's entire life. Right. right? You've right. been using these things your entire life. Think, go back to TikTok. Think of some of the things that these people do on these uh, videos that, like, oh, this is like the person running for president, you know, doing some yeah. kind of disgusting dance. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe that'll work in their favor in 30 years. I don't know. But the point <laughs> is, is that that stuff's going to be there and it's never going to go away. Like, the stuff does not go away once it's right. on the on these servers. Right. And I don't. And again, I don't think the governments understand the magnitude of it. And there's no, as far as I know, I don't think there's a good way to get rid of those things because of how, um, like deeply inter. Like I don't know. I don't know if there's a good way to erase that information because of how deeply intertwined it is with other data as mm-hmm. well as like if you have backups like if you have like historical backups of things yeah like if someone's like i want my data erased and it's like well we have backups of every day for the last 20 years do we have to go through those backups and inflate them and delete just your data and then recompress them like that's not going to happen on a google scale so right. 
Right. That's hard. That's hard enough for a small company. And then you're talking about this data is going to be stored on Facebook servers, Google servers, you know, any, any company that you're doing business with, like they're all going to have data on you. Uh, and it's very, very hard to get rid of cleanly, which is kind of funny, but I was just thinking about, I have no idea why I was thinking about this, but I was thinking about the dark Knight rises and they have that, uh, this was just like a day or two ago. Out of nowhere, I started thinking about how stupid the plot device was for that thing, the clean slate. They're mm. like, you plug this in and it erases you from every database in the world. Because mm. that's what Catwoman mm. or whatever is trying yeah. to do. She wants yeah. to start a new life. I'm like, that is the corniest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> Not like, it just erases you from every database in existence? I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, and it's like on a USB stick at the end. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Here you go. That would be a hot item in yeah, 2050. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's definitely a, a purely in the movies thing. Yeah, but I, it, I remember. I remember when the um, social we did our social dilemma episode. You were pretty fired up about how uh, overly sinister they made all that look, though. Like uh-huh. you, yeah. Uh-huh. So. So. Uh, it sounds like you're saying there is some there's some potential it's it's not so much that there's people sitting around watching everything you do mm-hmm. so, but it's that people can go back in time and find stuff if they want to down the road because yeah. the information's there and it doesn't go away that's the problem yeah yeah absolutely uh, the data is too Again, I don't know what people do, and there have been instances of people getting in trouble because they've looked like, oh, like somebody looked at, uh, you know, a customer's like photo roll or something, and they're not supposed to be looking at it. So I think those capabilities exist to look through people's stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, the systems are built to to try to be making correlations and connections to ideas or products or people that are interested in these products or people in your age, they're trying to find ways to sell you stuff. They're trying to make money. So they're trying to find the most efficient way to sell you things. Right. And and that's all happening automatically. There's not people like, like sending you ads, like maybe they'll like this, maybe they'll like that. Like, no, 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 no. It's a way to operate on, on massive amounts of data to try to sell you, be the most effective at selling you things that they can. That's what they're doing. My my, uh, what I'm saying is that there's a danger in having your entire life stored on these private companies' servers, because again, they want you storing all your photos, they want you storing all your texts and all your contacts and everything yeah. you ever do. They yeah. want that there because that does help them enable that. But there is a dark side to having that information. Yeah. Um, for anybody, it's right. just you know, it's so, uh, I, and that is it's the potential for evil use. Not that I think what they're doing for <laughs> selling ads is evil. Again, if they're just trying to target an ad at you and it's r- relatively anonymously done, like who cares? Like I don't care about that right. at all. Uh, but I think there's danger in having that information right. in case it wants to be essentially weaponized. Uh, 
against right. somebody. Right. So. That, yeah, yeah. It's it's just like with my Facebook profile. I remember thinking back in the day. Um, and it's probably a good thing that I thought this way because I, I know there's, you know, <laughs> I hear the horror stories, but you know, it's like what I put on Facebook, and I and I don't mm-hmm. go on there very much anymore. But like the 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 years I was on, and I was putting putting a lot of pictures up. Mm-hmm. It's like this is this is an identity that's never going to go away. Like it's 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 always mm-hmm. going to be out there. I mean, I can close my account, I guess. Yeah. But the, the stuff's still out there because yeah. you know you're tagging other people and whatever. Right. So your Facebook identity is a is an entity all its own, and I suppose the same thing could be said about your Google identity. Um. It's not. Sure. It's not necessarily the real you. It's it's just like this cyber identity. Um, so right, right. It's kind of an inter- It's just an interesting thought. It's it's uh, it's sort of a permanent. Yeah. Permanent and there's thing. there's never been. And I was just thinking about something similar. We've like when did cameras come into. Uh, I mean, no cameras were invented like, you know, 100 years ago or, you know, 150, 200 years ago. We have photos of Lincoln and all that stuff, uh, which was the 1860s. But so let's say we'll say 200 years ago. I don't know what the exact date was, but in terms of being something that people had. So I'm Mm -hmm. just talking about regular cameras where you could take a photo and keep yeah. a photo for yourself, and it wasn't like a big economic thing to have a photo taken. What, like 1960s, 70s, maybe something like that? I don't know. Pro- probably, yeah. Or like people had family photo albums and stuff, right? Right. So before that, there's almost no, like, outside of writing, and again, I could be totally wrong here, but from what I'm thinking, outside of people writing things down, there's no, like, historical record of people's lives Right. Right. You couldn't even remember things from your own life because you didn't have photos of them. You didn't have all these, right? Like, it's only within the last couple of decades. Yeah. Where everything is just like hyper documented. Yeah. To the point where it's like you're never going to look through your photos again. Like, we can look through our photo albums and cover years in 10 minutes, 15 minutes of looking through our photo albums from when we were kids. Right. Like, you can't, like, people are taking, uh, you know, hundreds, hundreds, a hundred photos a day of, like, yeah. their meals. Their meals, yeah. Like, you know, no one's yeah. going to look back and see, like, want to see what I ate 30 years ago? <laughs> yeah. Dinner? Yeah. It's, it's just, like, it's insane. Like, so the point is, it's, like, really new territory of having so much information on what everybody is doing like this did not exist before uh and it's in it's in the hands of companies who are trying to make money out of it or might even have like which again i'm not against targeted ads at all i think they're totally fine uh but it's it's the it's when you when companies start having an ideology (laughs) yeah (laughs) like a political ideology I don't care what direction it is, uh, right or left. Like if they're trying to enforce their ideology, um, you know, by using people's private data or trying to control the flow of information, that's yeah. like a different thing. 
Yeah. And it seems like Google is starting to get into that area, which because people are speaking up about it. Um, and like we're seeing evidence of that. So, you know, we have this thing again coming back to the beginning. This web was built on ideas of openness, sharing information, simple protocols uh, to enable that. And we've had this big internet company come in and try to, you know, control the standards, control that flow of information. Yeah. Um, and we'll see where it's going to go. Uh, but it does seem like there there is an attempt to to kind of be a gatekeeper and as much as they can be on what's going on on the web. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, yeah. I have one. I think one last thought. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a, a, a I don't know if the a saying or or it's, a, it's an idea basically. Um, that if, uh, I just use, again, not to be political, but to use like a government analogy, um, mm-hmm. like you saw this last year where if you give, the idea is if you give a government control, like something, again, going back to what I was saying earlier about benevolence, um, mm-hmm. or seeming benevolence. So you know, the government has to take control because of a pandemic, let's say. Mm-hmm. But when the pandemic ends, the idea is the governments are not going to want to relinquish the control because of just, like you said, human nature. Mm-hmm. And I think the same is true here where, uh, and and however benevolent it may have started, I don't know. But like Google, Google has gained some, obviously power and control in, mm-hmm. in, or, and in some ways. And... I think just naturally they they don't they're not going to want to give it up, right? So mm-hmm. that's where I'm hopeful that the legislation that's you're seeing now you know, you're finally starting to see some legislation and um, I'm hopeful that we can get to some equilibrium um, and that yeah down the road. It, it it will balance you know the way our country was set up like we've said in the in past episodes it will mm-hmm. balance some of this stuff out that's what i i'm hoping for sure yeah no i i, I think so too um i think unchecked power in any direction has never been a good thing yeah. <laughs> in history so yeah i'm not sure where you can ever find an example of that and thinking hey that worked out pretty well <laughs> For everybody. Um, yeah, no, I agree. So, and again, I think, uh, and there was even another article that came out this week where the, the Biden administration had appointed someone else that was anti-monopoly uh, or something to, uh, what was it? Let me see if I can find it. Like, it was, I don't know if it was a right to repair issue or basically someone was appointed that the tech companies didn't like because mm-hmm. it signaled like, uh, they might be getting cut down a notch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, there's, uh, there definitely seems to be movement in that direction. Uh, again, slow to happen because I think government is slow in general. Um, mm-hmm. especially when something's new and, you know, the general public just doesn't understand it until 
like, I don't I don't want to say it's too late, but they just understand it much later than the people who are within those industries do. Right. So it's like, you know, the laws have to catch up to the reality. Right. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Uh, definitely going to be a lot in this area, I think, over the next, you know, for the rest of this year and probably the coming years. Um, and I'm I'm actually somewhat hopeful about some of the stuff that's happening because it looks like they're taking it seriously. So, yeah. So yet another story we'll be we'll be following. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, when we come back in the fall, um, something there will be some stuff to cover. Yeah. So, yeah, I think on that note, um, yeah. So this is like we said, show number fifty, and it's uh, kind of the last. It's, it is the last one of our summer run. We just finished the last, uh, you know, ten of ten, and I think when when are we planning on coming back? Likely September. I think September. We, we, uh, we so we're planning to do three sets of ten. So we did ten in the first part of the year, and then ten in the summer. Yeah. Like you said, and we'll do ten in the fall, probably starting in yeah. September and going yeah. into November. Yeah, we've already got some uh, potential topics in mind, and like I said, maybe we'll <laughs> go for a more positive slant <laughs> with the next batch. We're gonna lift your spirits. In yeah, the it, it should be it should be fun to listen to it. <laughs> I don't know. You got to go through the dark stuff first, right? To Maybe get to the light. Yeah, right. It's another. It's another. Uh, kind of similar to the Dark Knight, I think. Mm-hmm. Batman quote: <laughs> "Darkest before the light," or something. Yeah. Dawn. The night is always darkest before the dawn, or I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, until the fall, uh, I'm Jared Moranti. I am Justin Moranti, and we will see you in the fall. See ya. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to The Wild Loop. And if you would like to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell anyone you know that loves tech to subscribe as well. The Wild Loop is available just about anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.